Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst. And today is September 17th, 2020, which means I'm on day 278 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Tonight, folks, at 4 p.m., the Celtics take on the Miami Heat for Game 2. But the real question is, which one of these teams will face, inevitably, the L.A. Lakers, who I predict will sweep a clean sweep. I'm talking four quick games in a row. Denver, which, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wish a miracle would happen. I wish upon a star... That my dreams come true and somehow the Nuggets beat the Lakers, but I just don't believe it'll happen. That's the same thing as me wishing I find a suitcase full of money today. I don't think that's going to happen either. So in the end, when inevitably the Lakers sweep the Denver Nuggets, who will they play in the East? Will it be an old school matchup from the 70s, 80s? And even, no, just the 70s and 80s, between Boston and L.A.? Or will it be a matchup between LeBron James' former team, the Miami Heat, and his newest team, the L.A. Lakers? A Jimmy Butler versus LBJ battle would seriously be something fun to watch. And it looks as though that may occur because Miami's up 1-0 on Boston after a just a scary game the other night that went into overtime and saw the Miami Heat barely skate by with the W. Either way, now I'm more excited about the East because the West is trash now. I'm over it. I don't care about the Denver Nuggets. I prefer them over LA, but I absolutely hate the Lakers. So between those two teams, I'm like, meh. And between the East, I'm actually more excited. And I wish that the trophy would go to the East once again, like it did last year to the Toronto Raptors, this time to any team other than the Lakers. Folks, if you attempted to pre-order a PS5 yesterday, I'm sure it didn't work out for you because I did the same thing. I went on Best Buy's website, who actually offered me a pre-order of the PS5 through an email. I did not even know it was going on pre-order yesterday. But it didn't matter, because the website crashed, and so did GameStop, because of how many people attempted to pre-order the PS5 and all at the same time, and it crashed. Which means, for a lot of us, don't really know when we'll get the chance to even pre-order this. What kind of world do we live in where you can't even order something because they don't know how many they're going to have? You have to pre-order something to see if they'll have enough. And even then, you can't pre-order something because if too many people try to pre-order at the same time, a website will crash. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Um, We're not even really ordering the device itself. We're pre-ordering an order in the future that says we might get it. 
And even that wasn't something they were capable of allowing us because the companies who sell these devices were not prepared for the amount of people who wanted a PS5. I mean, think about this. You should have known everybody was going to buy one of these. It's more popular than the Xbox. It's more popular than the Nintendo Switch. And it does more things than either of those devices on their own. Plays games, plays Blu-ray, does all kinds of stuff. And people have been holding and hoarding all of their stimulus check money to prepare for this day so they could have a PS5 in the wings waiting for them, ready to get shipped to their house, or I don't know where they're going to get it. Maybe it's one of those things where you pre-order it, then they send you a certificate, and then with that certificate you go wait in a massive never-ending line, you know, where they say COVID is probably spreading everywhere, so people have to be six feet apart, so the line will be even longer than normal. And then, after three hours of waiting, if there's any left, you get your PS5 out of a giant massive stack that is sitting inside of half of Best Buy where they had moved half of their shelves away just to be able to fit all these PS5s that they got in a gigantic semi-truck. And then once those are gone, if you get one, you have to take it home and load it up for probably a day and a half. And then after it loads up, you have to sign up for some sort of PlayStation 5 network capabilities or you can't play anything anyways, which you also can't because you don't have a game for it because you only got the basic model with one controller. So now, not only can you not play a game, but you can't play a game with someone else because now you have to pay 70 bucks for an additional controller. And then, when you realize there's no controllers available because everybody's bought all of them, you're going to have to put one on back order for yourself, which will take two months. And when you get the second controller, you'll still realize you don't have a game yet, which you'll have to purchase for another 70 bucks. And then, after months and months of all this, to get one game, one system, and two controllers, you'll realize your friends didn't want to wait because they were impatient. And now they don't want to come over to your petty house and play the PS5 one single game option you have to play with them. And so, you'll just play by yourself and waste your other controller, which you'll need later when you smash the first one because it works all messed up and there's a, you know, a glitch in the system that they didn't know about until they sent all these PlayStations out. It's a scenario that I've seen before a hundred times. And I always buy in because I want the first edition of every console so that someday some crazy video game nerd will buy all of my stuff from me and allow me to retire because I got Super Nintendos, regular Nintendos, Nintendo 64s, and I say this with S's at the end of them because I have multiple versions of each one of these things. I've got a PlayStation 1, 2, and 3, all first edition. And now I want... I've got a PlayStation 4 first edition, and now I want a first edition PlayStation 5. Imagine the lineup of fun I could have in a man cave someday. Not right now, because I have a whole bunch of children taking up every crevice of my house. But eventually, man cave, PlayStation style, set up... Like, a heavenly setup. My version, 
no booze, weed instead. I'm telling you, I, I've thought about this for a long time. It must happen, which is why I must find a way to pre-order the PS5. If you have any suggestions, leave a comment for me on my Peter Gabbett podcast daily post in the Facebook group or on my Facebook page because I have no idea how I'm going to get my hands on one of these things after attempting to do so yesterday and realizing so did millions of other people. In food news, Burger King has announced that every Whopper will now come in a wrapper that says the exact ingredients of the Whopper on the label of the wrapper for anyone that doesn't know what lettuce, tomato, onion, mayonnaise, and ketchup looks like. (laughs) I mean, we already can see the ingredients, you idiots. But apparently, previous to this, Burger King had artificial flavors, colors, and preservatives also in the Whopper, which now they claim no longer is a part of the sandwich and is free of those items, which makes me wonder, where were those items in the sandwich? Were they a part of the lettuce? Was it a part of the bread? Did you make the bread a certain color? Did you color the beef? Is that where the artificial colors came from? I'm not understanding. I mean, I'm hoping that the only place that the preservatives, the artificial colors and flavors came from might have been the ketchup. It's like, hey, you know, ketchup, it's a sauce. It's easy to put anything you want in a sauce and nobody will really know what's in it. But you can't change a tomato. You can't change a a pickle or a piece of lettuce. I mean, can you? I'm not understanding. This is so weird. So according to a survey, 85% of restaurants in the United States are now claiming that they serve no preservatives or artificial colors or flavors any longer, which begs the question... Why did they serve that to us for the last 30 years of my life when I've been able to eat that type of food? So all the issues we have as grown adults now, the generation of mine, you know, I'm 34, so you can kind of gauge what what I mean by that. My generation has been fed slop packed with preservatives and garbage, artificial flavors and fake coloring And all of a sudden now, you've decided to stop serving that to people so that the next generation actually won't get all the sick illnesses and diseases that we have. Well, thank you very much for finally taking that step and deciding that their lives are worth it because ours obviously weren't. I mean, this is ridiculous. You're basically admitting that you fed me complete slop for 34 years and now you're finally deciding as if it's it's just the right thing to do and you've made that choice to stop serving that garbage to people after I've decided I don't eat that stuff anymore and haven't for like a solid decade I don't eat fast food 
typically speaking. I make exceptions. Chick-fil-A, maybe once a month. In-N-Out Burger, probably once a month as well. Those are the exceptions I make for fast food. I don't go anywhere else. It's all disgusting. But I must say, I'm pretty freaked out about the fact that when I was 16, I worked at Burger King for an entire year. And I ate a lot of their food. And now I'm wondering, what artificial colors were was I eating? You know, what preservatives and fake flavoring did I smash down when I had a burger with an onion ring on it called the Rodeo Burger? What in there could be fake? I don't know. But it's it's nasty to think about. I predict that after all these years of this insanely bad for us food, people are going to be dropping like flies in the next decade at young ages, and that's a scary thought. But in the end, at least our children may not be fed as much slop and might have a chance to get fresh ingredients at the restaurants we take them to. That's high hopes right there. Well, the aftermath of Hurricane Sally in Florida and Alabama has proven destructive. In fact, buildings had their roofs ripped off and power lines snapped like twigs under 100-mile-an-hour winds. Windows exploded in people's houses, and it's just looking terrible. There's massive flooding and over half a million people are not able to return to their homes quite yet and were evacuated. I mean, that's a massive amount of people. In fact, the majority of people that were interviewed say that this type of thing is what is going to lead them to eventually leave that area and head further north so they no longer have to experience natural disasters like this that seem to happen on a regular basis every single year. But what would be worse than having your windows shatter and your roof blown off and some flooding in front of your house? Well, in Alabama, a woman recorded a video of all that happening to her and a 12-foot alligator swimming around the front of her house. That's right. Don't forget... This occurred in an area that has massive snakes, alligators, and all to- all types of wildlife that's just freaky. And it doesn't stop existing when a hurricane happens. In fact, it moves further inland from whence they lived in the wildlife areas. And now, I'm telling you, that is just a freaky thought I wouldn't want to be anywhere near there. This is actually like the movie Anaconda or actually Lake Placid. It's more like the movie Lake Placid with killer alligators on the loose. But these people are also dealing with the loss of their homes, the loss of, you know, electricity. This is crazy. And I just feel terrible for so many people that are dealing with both the fires on the east or the west coast I almost said East Coast. I live on the West Coast. How can I forget about this? The fires on the West Coast and the flooding and hurricanes in the Gulf Coast. It seems like it's a bad time to be on the coast. 
Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we all enjoy, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst and Barbecusion, a delightful fusion of Baja California flavors and spices and Kansas City-style smoked meats and sides. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when I went to a wildlife refuge in California somewhere. It was during a time when my father and I took a road trip from Oregon somewhere south. And I'll never forget, it was one of those scenarios where you drive in and then in your vehicle, you experience the animals around you and you drive through and some of them come up to your car. You know, some of them kind of stay away. They shy away because they're afraid. They're like, what is this? metal box that's moving on its own with what seems to be live animals inside of it controlling the metal box. So I can't even imagine what that's like as an animal. But either way, I'll never forget this because we pull into this place and I'm like, wow, this place is amazing. The first thing I did was rode an elephant. Yes, my dad paid for me to get onto an elephant's back and ride it around like 20 feet, you know. As a kid, that's amazing. As an adult, it's like, I wouldn't pay for that. It's not worth it unless you let me like ride that elephant into the African safari while I hold a rifle and shoot a wildebeest or something. You know, like that sounds cool. But as a kid, riding an elephant, that's good enough. You know, I got on the back of it. They walked me around 20 feet. Exciting. Then... I got into the vehicle and we started driving through this thing and the first section of it, the very beginning, had emus. If you don't know what an emu is, first you're dumb because everyone does. Everyone knows what an emu is. But in case you are dumb, it's basically like an ostrich, maybe a little bit smaller. And I mean, at the very least, you should know what an emu is because of the Liberty Mutual commercials. Lemu, Lemu, the Liberty Mutual Emu, Lemu. Yeah, I had to do it. But if you if you know what an emu is, you know that they can be feisty. Yeah, and they're not, they're not shy like the other animals. So the first thing my dad does is tell me, "Look, there's an emu coming up to your window. Roll your window down and give it a pet. You know, pet the little emu's head. Give it a give a nice little." rub down on its forehead or whatever. So me being a stupid, gullible child, I went went for his advice. I was like, hey, all right. You know, he, he obviously knows what he's doing. He took me all the way here. I rode an elephant. Everything seems to be fine so far. I'm gonna stick my hand out and pet this emu. So it runs up to the car, kind of puts its head to the window like it's waiting for me. So I roll the window down, and as soon as I do, it bites me. Yep, it reaches its head into the window and pecks at me like an angry chicken or something. And I freak out and roll the window back up and it almost chops this thing's head off because it's so dumb. It's not getting its head out of the window as I'm rolling it up. And then it finally realizes what's happening and turns its head a little bit sideways and squeezes it out of the space I've left for it. And then I roll it all the way up and I'm like, what? the hell dad you tell me to pet this thing and it pecks at me 
and freaking scares me to the extent in which I probably pooped a little bit. I mean, maybe not, but still. I mean, I probably had a turtle head squeezing its way out of me bum because of the level of fear I experienced on that day at that exact moment. I mean, I was less afraid to ride that elephant. I would have jumped on the back of that thing with no harness, no problem. Give me a little thing to like hit it in the head so it'll ride, you know, not hard, just like a mini whip or whatever they use over there in India. But here I have a massive, gigantic, flightless bird trying to eat me because I attempted to pet it and my dad is laughing his ass off. It was quite hilarious, I'm not going to lie. If I have the opportunity to play that exact joke on my child, you better believe I am doing that so much and getting it on camera. I mean, back then there was no phones with cameras. There was probably not even phones. So there's no chance of getting that on video. We were not rich enough to have a camcorder. But we were rich enough to go to this place and have an emu bite me while I attempted to pet it. Lesson to be learned here. Don't be a stupid kid like me, which is probably easy for you to do because we're all adults. Thank you for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners just like you. I hope each and every one of you has a fantastic day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. I must admit, uh, to my surprise, it seems as though my own dad was the original prankster. Yes, I am a definite prankster. I love to prank people and just get a good laugh out of things. But with the trick my dad pulled on me, with the emu at the safari park, that was a fantastic prank. Giving him the title of original prankster and reminding me of an offspring song that I love so much. Here it is for your enjoyment, the offspring, original prankster. <laughs>